Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Laurie Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love, first and foremost, with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Welcome, Dr. Frankie Bashan. Hello, Frankie. Hello, Lori. Thanks for having (laughs) me on. You're welcome. So Frankie and I met at the Matchmakers Alliance Conference in Cancun in November of 2023. And we immediately became friends. Yes. We were like, remember, we were standing in the line to get into the bathroom. And all of a sudden I'm like pouring my heart out to her. I I don't know about relationship and all the things. And it was like, we were like two souls that were best friends in a past life. And we just reconnected and here we go felt like that. Let's catch each other up on what's happened so far. Mutual. Right? I felt similarly. Yes. It's a funny yeah. thing. Isn't that amazing when you meet somebody and it's just like the center, the synergy is there, the energy, and you just, it's like you meant to, you've known each other forever. You're meant to. 100%. So here's the deal. Frank, Dr. Frankie is a renowned relationship coach and dating expert. She's a licensed clinical psychologist with over two decades of experience working with couples and individuals and specialized training in the field of trauma. And she has a board certification in sex therapy. Oh gosh, we got to talk about that too. There's so many <laughs> things to talk about. Um, and you're definitely, you have that unique combination of formal training and emotional intelligence and communication style that really helps your couples struggle that are struggling with relationships of all kinds. So I know that your focus, you're the CEO and founder of Little Gay Book, um, which focuses on personalized matchmaking and singles events for lesbians bisexual women and trans women, and you've successfully connected couples all across the U.S. for the last decade and a half. I listened to your TED Talk for the second time today um, about sexual fluidity, and it was so good. And I know that you you had a lot of viewers on that. Tell us about your practice, and then I want to talk about sexual fluidity. Tell you about my practice. So we, I, I see many clients including couples and individuals, singles, that are wanting to have healthier, happier, fuller relationships. Like maybe they're struggling with sex and intimacy. Maybe they're struggling with communication or boundary setting or self-worth, confidence, all of that. So I do a lot of one-on-one work with people. And I also match make with a select number of people all over the country Um, And my team, I'm a CEO of Little Gay Book Matchmaking, and they take on, you know, all together, we take on matchmaking clients and basically do all the searching, the vetting, interviewing for our clients and coordinate amazing dates. And we have events all over the country, single mingle events, which are speed dating events, where we use a software that I created to match people based on preferences. So usually it's age range and the feminine masculinity spectrum online it we do online but we also do in person in in cities across the country usually in larger metropolitan cities where they have bigger population of um queer women love that 
Yeah. So then we teach, we have courses that we teach several times a year, single, sexy, and queer. It's a five-week program to help people basically figure out how to get, make stuff happen, right? Get on dates, figure out how to flirt. That's great. Okay. So what is sexual fluidity? So sexual fluidity is, it's, there's a range of like anything, right? Now we're seeing a range in gender expression. There's a range in sexual libido and there's a range in sexual fluidity in, in desire, right? In the type of person that you would be attracted to. I'll use myself as an example. So early on in my life, I was attracted to men primarily. And that's all I, I didn't have any idea that I was attracted to women. I dated men all through high school, through college until my senior year when a girl in one of my business classes told me she had a mad crush on me, which I talk about in my TED talk. And she, we proceeded to make out and hook up. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in a serious relationship with a guy. And now I'm making out with a woman. What is going on? And it opened, it opened my eyes to a part of myself that I had no idea existed. And meanwhile, I went to boarding school, shared dorms with women, right? Like lived with amongst many, many females and never found myself attracted to them. So well, let, right, me, there's let, fluidity. Break, let yeah. me break in for one second. You didn't find yourself attracted to them, but did you have really, really close, like best friends that resembled a relationship without the physical connection? Absolutely. I think many women, right? We, we have intimate, close relationships with each other that are not sexual, but they're very intimate. Right. And do you look back on any of those and think, huh, I think I might've been in love with her. You know, that's, I think for me personally, no. Um, But I do feel like there was a lot, like we would snuggle with each other in bed. We'd have sleepovers and we would be snuggling together. I don't know. You didn't do that. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying, I mean, that's not exactly what heterosexual women do. I could be wrong. I'm curious. I wonder what listeners would say. I mean, if they, I want to hear, can they comment, you know? I want to hear these. Totally. I think it's common, right? For, for women to be at a party, get intoxicated and be like, oh my God, I kissed a girl. And I liked it. Remember that song? I kissed a girl and I liked it. Um, I think that it's more common, more so than with men, for example, there's more, I see sexual fluidity, meaning that like, there is room for variability. Like you could be attracted to a man for years and then find yourself falling in love with one of your really good friends, female friends. Right. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're gay. No. It just just means you're attracted to that human spirit. That's it. That's all it is. Yes. And we constantly want to categorize and label. That's right. (laughs) Like I had a neighbor who left her husband for a woman and I ran into her one day at the nail salon and I, I said, are you involved with the gay community at all? She was like, I really don't categorize myself that way. She said, I just fell in love with this human being who happens to be a woman and she is now my life partner. And Absolutely. I had never thought about it that way. Yes. I so think because we're taught, important. we're just, yeah, we're taught that, okay, well, if you're attracted to somebody of the same gender, then you, you must label yourself as gay. That's right. And that's how Gen Xers, that's the way we were raised. Absolutely. But Gen Z and millennial, I mean, I think that it's just a very different society, different norms, more open. It's a beautiful thing. We should learn from them. 
us because yeah. I'm right. I'm, I'm, we're the same generation. Yeah, totally. But do you find that when people, I have so many questions for you, when people are coming to you, women are coming to you, are they, are, are you finding that women are now coming out later in life where they're like, okay, it looks like society is kind of caught up to the way I'm thinking. I can finally get the courage to come out and they come to you and do they ever say, I've never dated a woman before. I mean, what kind of. Yes. And yes. And yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm seeing, cause I've been in business working in the community since 2009. So 15 years. And we, I have not, this is more in all my career right now, in this moment, I am seeing more and more women reaching out to us saying, look, I've never dated a woman. I've known my whole life that I'm attracted to women. I need your help. And they didn't have the courage to do it until now. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They also wanted to have children. They wanted to have families and they felt like it was going to be too difficult back then. And are they ever surprised? Like they thought it would be one thing, but it's really not. Yes. Yes. They often think when they come out later in life that there's going to be so many opportunities for them. So many women, they get really excited and they think that the issues that they were dealing with in the heterosexual world don't exist in the lesbian or queer world. And then they realize, wait a minute, it's sort of like idealizing, right? We always think of the grass is greener Mm -hmm. effect. So it's, I see that a lot where they're kind of initially really excited and then they get disappointed that it's, it's hard. It's hard. It might be hard in different ways, in some ways, similarly difficult. Yes. Yeah, totally. And, um, what is the hardest thing for them entering in aside from the fact that not there isn't as many opportunities it's hard for them to get accepted or feel accepted by other women who are have been out for years okay. to take them seriously they feel like they are not welcomed um and they have a hard time being taken seriously because people think like you know they don't trust them so they try to date and Women are like, well, how do you know that you're gay? And how, you know, oh, you're a newbie. You need to get experience. They don't take them seriously. They don't trust that they won't go back to men. They're afraid to get betrayed. So they keep them at arm's length, which is okay. hard. Yeah. yeah. It's it's really, really rough. Um, do you think that um, lesbian relationships are harder than heterosexual ones? So yes and no. So I think first I'm going to say, relationships are relationships and they're complex, right? It's just, it's hard to be in a relationship because it forces us to work on ourselves. We can't, we can't run from the issues that come up and there are inevitably going to be issues no matter whether you're in a straight relationship or a gay relationship, but it's, it's harder, I think, in a same gender relationship because one, first of all, just dating and finding a person that we're compatible with and we're attracted to is harder because the the volume isn't there. The sheer numbers aren't there. You have more options as a heterosexual person. So right there, it's hard. Um, And then when you're in relationship, I think it's getting better, but it's, there aren't so many role models right there in our generation. There weren't so many role models and we were trying to follow a heteronormative like, Oh, we're supposed to, one is supposed to be more, you know, take on the female role and the other is supposed to take on the male role. Then, we've sort of grown from that. And, you know, now it's just, we've, we're, we're doing better in that area where we don't feel like we have to fit into this role. But I think um, in, 
in gay relationships, I think there's less support, right? From family. Hmm. There's more of like, you know, fearing. I still have clients who are afraid to come out depending on where they live in the country. If you're in a large metropolitan city, then it's probably no big deal. But if you're living in the middle of the country in a small town, you still can't comfortably come out. So there's that, the challenge of that. So there are challenges that be, you know, being in a gay relationship that you're not going to deal with in a heterosexual one, for sure. It's, okay. it's harder. What's something about matching women that would surprise people? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say um, the first big difference is that gender expression, the way we present ourselves on the masculinity, femininity spectrum is very much an important factor that we consider when we're matching people. So okay. in the heterosexual, like if we're heter like you're a straight matchmaker primarily, right? Are you asking your client if they want somebody who's more masculine or more feminine? And if so, what does that look like? No, I'm not. <laughs> Do you ask, ask them if they wear like boys underwear or lingerie? <laughs> <laughs> so these are questions that we ask yeah like okay do you are you more masculine presenting are you more feminine on a scale of one to ten ten being very high femme five being androgynous one being stone butch where would you place yourself on that scale give me a range right then they'll say oh i think i'm like i think i'm like a seven okay mm -hmm. so you're somewhat feminine does that mean that you get your nails done? Do you wear makeup every day? Do you wear heels, dresses, skirts? Or is it that you're more of like a chapstick lesbian where you're more natural? Maybe you wear, you wear chapstick and you don't really wear makeup, maybe no nail polish, that sort of thing. There's a lot of nuance. Yeah. And women are very particular about the type of women that they're attracted to. Some have a very broad range and okay. others are very specific. So as a matchmaker, you, you're not going to be successful unless you capture that nuance really, really well. Okay. So that's one thing that's very different yes. than heterosexual matchmaking. Another one, and you'll tell me if this is, if you agree, is that women tend to merge very quickly. So- U-Haul lesbian stories. Oh my gosh, the U-Haul, right? That's pretty, I mean, it's kind of, it's a stereotype that is, comes from somewhere, right? It's pretty true. We're getting yeah. better as a community. We're That's dating good. smarter. Right. Hopefully people are benefiting from my 15 years of putting out videos and writing about these topics. Right. Um, but we, when we're excited and we're on a first date and it's feeling really amazing and the fireworks are going off, we're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm this is love at first sight and we just need to move in right now. Right. Yeah. And what happens three weeks later, the relationship flies off the rails and it explodes and there's nothing left to it. Right. So they jump in quick. Um, so a lot of times I'm having to really help them to slow down. Do you have that experience? Yes, we do have that experience. Um, I think that men, sometimes they make up their minds pretty quickly if they're very attracted to a woman and um, really kind of go after them. Although it can also be considered love bombing, which is obviously yeah. not looked upon favorably. So slow and steady wins the race, I think, with both of our, our situations and our practices, for sure. Um, is It's curious, though, that that's so common in the lesbian community, that people fall in love so quickly, or infatuation so quickly, I guess it is. And since it's so common, you would think that people would think, okay, 
this is common. I should probably like slow, slow the brakes a little bit, pay attention to what's going on. And I'm certain that you probably help people with that in your private practice. Absolutely. Yes. And there's another thing that I think is the difference. Women have a really hard time dating multiple people at the same time. They like somebody all that, you know, they want, they know that they want to see that person again. There was chemistry and all they want to do is focus on that person. Yeah. They want to get off the apps. They want to hat freeze me as a matchmaker yeah. and only focus on that person. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's a bad idea. You want to yeah. compare, contrast. Right. You want to date others to slow down, slow mm -hmm. things down. You mm -hmm. want to fuel your self-esteem and, you know, give it time, right? Like, no. Yeah. So that's a rub right there. They have a really hard time. Yeah. They'll argue with me about yeah. it. Is that, so I think that's a difference too. I think straight people are used to dating multiple people and straight women are in general, probably more open to that idea, knowing that the men are dating other people too. Yeah. I mean, I think women, um, it's like, I have to force them sometimes to date multiples and I do with my online dating management program. I mean, they, they hire me for that. I like it so much better than matchmaking for women because your feelings get hurt with, uh, it's such a thing with matchmaking with women. Men are like, all right, she didn't like me. Oh, well, next. Women are like, can you tell me why? And was it, they take it very personally when you really can't. It's kind of like the same thing as going on an audition. It's like, okay, you weren't right for the role, period. End of story, move on. But um, with online dating with women, I like it so much better because there are the men are the ones re reaching out to them or at least saying, I like the way you look. And so you're like 85% of the way there. But with, um, I, I'm curious about with, with, and then, and then women have options. And I like it when women have multiple options and they don't put all their eggs in one basket because one day, like one guy could just fall off. Um, and then, or you, you know, you get ghosted or you decide you don't like them, but you've got, you know, more in your back pocket. So I think you should always keep it romantic light and be able to date, you know, one, two people, two, three people at the same time. And then you have options. Absolutely. And you're feeling good, right? You're like feeling like, wow, you know what? I've got a few people. You're not that... going to put up with something that you would have put up exactly. with. There were only one person that you're involved in. So it's really good. But with women, I can see how that would happen. And, and it gets really serious quickly. What do you think are like the, have you seen trends with like one thing or another that causes the breakups quickly? When there are fireworks, usually right off the bat, and we're not being mindful of maintaining good boundaries and keeping a healthy pace that I can predict almost like a hundred percent of the time that it's going to fly off the rails. And the reason why that happens, the fireworks are there oftentimes because we're connecting on something, a pattern from the past, something about this person is actually feeling really familiar mm -hmm. and it's exciting and we've been there before. So we like, we feel good around this person. We feel capable. And often that is connected to a past loss, trauma, something that actually isn't healthy. Yeah. Like trauma bonding. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And maybe yes. just the fact that, like you said before, there's so, it's like the minority. It's like, oh, I'm so excited. I found you, you know, let's see if we can make this happen. Yes. And we are. We want to have a different outcome, yeah. but it's often not a different outcome. It's the same, right? It's familiar. You've been there before. It's going to be, you're doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. Yeah. 
you know, I always say, even with the matches that I make that are more hetero, obviously, um, don't look for the fireworks because oftentimes that could even be anxiety that you're feeling mm-hmm. in your, in your gut, mm-hmm. um, you know, look to see, do you feel comfortable like home and also like excited, like physically attracted, but it doesn't have to be fireworks that can evolve or not. Sometimes people don't have fireworks and we have a beautiful relationship. So yeah. it could just be something that is slow and steady, but you know, you're excited about them. That's okay. I love that. I love that you bring that to their attention, that it could be anxiety that's being misinterpreted to feel like fireworks. Yeah. I, what I find frustrating, and I wonder if this comes up for you too, is this idea that people are really looking for the fireworks and they don't, they don't believe that actually attraction and desire can develop over time. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not there at the outset, they're ready to just move on. Right. Well, I wonder if in lesbian relationships, does it ever happen where it's just like two close friends and then all of a sudden they look at each other one day and they're like, you know what? I'm into you. And then it's like, you've got that foundation of home already. And then all of a sudden there's the sexual chemistry. Does that yes, happen? That hap- so that happens. I would say it more so happens when I see it in my private practice, like working with um, my clients and coaching and therapy capacities where they're basically in a heterosexual world relationship. They'd never been with women. And then they end up falling in love with their best friend. I okay. see that more often than yeah. lesbians fall friends, friends falling for each other. Okay. And I know that in the lesbian community, since there aren't that many people to go around that oftentimes you need to be friends with your ex because they're part of the gang or you run into them at the bar or whatever. Right. It's rough. One degree of separation. I mean, it's like an ongoing joke. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where as a matchmaker, also going back to your earlier question, what's different about being a lesbian matchmaker? Again, we don't have, you know, the volume that you have of folks to choose from. And there is often when I'm working with clients are like, wait a minute, that person dated one of my friends, or yeah. that's, that was a friend of my exes, or, you know, I'm not going to date that person. Right. So it's, there's a, that's when we just really have to have a, a talk about the fact that look, like this is a small pool. We don't have a sea of options. We have ponds in yes. every city. Right. So we just have to be willing to have a conversation with our friend maybe and see how our friend feels about us dating somebody they had dated 15 or 20 years ago. Totally. And I mean, I, I have close friends and family, um, you know, that are in the lesbian community and um, it's funny when it's like, yeah, we both dated her. (laughs) Now they're together. Yeah. So they've passed it along from the person along from one to the next long before they end up together. Um, yeah, that makes sense. And then, yeah, they need to figure out a way to be friends afterwards. So it's not uncommon to, you know, see your former lover as part of the group that you go to dinner with on a, on a weekly basis. Yes. I mean, I think, you know, we're all adults and we can do it. We can, we can show up and be respectful and, and we all can acknowledge that this is a challenge for us in this community. So why not try to bring our highest best selves to the forefront and and just invite just love and acceptance and 
that relationship ended. They weren't for you anyway. So exactly. like, why hold them back yeah. from happiness? And if that person can, that ex can make your friend happy, so yeah. be it. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, do you think that lesbian relationships are somewhat deeper than heterosexual ones? Yeah. You know, I think women in general, they love to process and I'm going to generalize. I want to say that it doesn't mean everybody, all women want to process, but in general, we tend to really want to communicate. We want to express how we feel. We want to make sure that we are very well understood and heard. Mm -hmm. And um, we want to have quality time, many of us with our partner. And so I think that being in a relationship with women, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of processing. There's different, right? Hormones. When you're, when you're both menstruating at the same time, there's going to, some people get moodier, right? They're going to, and sometimes you get on the same cycle. So yeah. there's going to be more hormones. It's just a, it's science. What are you going to do? Right. More emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more, I think, time and effort to attend to the, each other's like emotional needs and communication. And with men, it's kind of like, I always say, they like, they're happy if we feed them, we fuck them, we give them time to go do what they want to do, whether it be go hunting, (laughs) hang out, go to a basketball game, watch football on Sunday. They're good. They're happy. They don't want to sit there and process endlessly. So in some ways it's easier, but for heterosexual women, I'm sure that they're feeling oftentimes like I need, I wish I could talk more to my partner my male partner. Yeah. And that's what they have their girlfriends for. For sure. Yes. Right. We like, shouldn't oh, be looking to our partner entirely for, to meet our every need. That's reasonable. Yes. It really, it really is. And do you think that there's more jealousy is so let's talk about that. So say um, lesbian couple and they each have sort of a best friend or, you know, another, you would hope that you're partner is your best friend, but maybe they came into the relationship with a best friend or or more because they've sort of clung to a community and it has developed into deep, deep relationships. Um, do you think that that creates jealousy for the partner? Absolutely. It can. Yes. You've seen that I, a lot. I have seen that a lot. Yeah. I think that it's a tough one because like when you think about heterosexual relationships, you're not you don't have, I mean, maybe the two women hang out with each other, but the husband and doesn't hang out with, with the, the wife. The, with the wife. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So it can bring up, yeah, feelings of jealousy, feeling threatened. Yeah. yeah. So that's a conversation I will definitely encourage my couples to have and talk about what what do the boundaries need to be? What does the communication need to look like? Mm-hmm. How do we make sure that we feel like we're included? but also respect the fact that we each have to have our own friends. Like it's yeah. healthy to, so yeah, it's it's something that comes up for sure where there's a feeling of being threatened. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Um, you know, once a woman hits menopause, her libido often drops. Mm-hmm. So is it a big problem in the lesbian community when both partners are like, well, I don't really feel like having sex much at all because, and they're not getting the, they may or may not be getting the push from their partner if they're both sort of lower libido. Is that yes. Yes. So for some it is, and for others, it isn't. Companionship yeah. is enough for them. 
They right. love that they have each other. They can laugh together. They can watch movies together, travel together, and they don't really need the sex. You know, the intimacy alone is enough. Yeah. Um, for others, it's, you know, even when you think about the, what, how testosterone plays into a relationship and heterosexual relationships, it keeps the man usually is the one that is needing sex more is more of the pursuer of right. sex. And in lesbian relationships, oftentimes there's a struggle. There's a challenge of like, who, you know, who's going to be pursuing? Are we going to often, if they don't work at it and they're not committed to keeping the flame ignited, right. the desire there, it can fall flat. Okay. And is yes. that generally the reason why there's breakups? It definitely, it ha that's not the only reason, but yes, it can, it can be around different degrees of libido and interest. One mm -hmm. has more desire, the other one doesn't. Um, and they're not willing to put forth the effort. And um, and I know I see that in my straight, the work that I do with straight couples too, right? Where one person, it's often the woman who doesn't who doesn't feel like they want to have sex as much as the the man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I do think your point to your point. Yes, it, it can be an issue if both women are not committed to making time for it. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, I think that's across the board, um, but I can imagine that it would be just more challenging when there isn't a driver behind it. So that's curious to me. So have you seen women come to you who were married, then they went, they decided to sort of experience women and then they decided to go back to men? Sure. This speaks to sexual fluidity, right? Yeah. They happen. What were they, is they were missing. What, what do you think it is? That they go, they go back to men. They back date women. Forth, back yeah, yeah. Back and forth. I, I think that they like, they just are attracted to the difference, the different feeling of being with a man and being like, so they may fall in love with a woman and yeah. be very much in that relationship committed yeah. to that person because there's an assumption that's made when somebody flip-flops and goes back and forth that they can't commit they can't mm -hmm. decide they're you can't trust them i hear that all the time like about bisexual women yeah people okay. are like i'm not going to date somebody bi because i don't trust that they're not going to actually go back to a man it's like no that's about their character they're right. not somebody who is maybe able to be committed into in a long-term relationship yeah. so yeah, I just, I think it speaks to fluidity. Somebody who's like, you know, they like the masculinity, they like being with a man and they may also like being with a woman. And just because they're win one doesn't mean that they're going to miss. This is something else that comes up a lot. It's like, well, what if, what if she's with me and then she's really missing hmm. the, the, you know, the man, I don't yeah. have that plumbing. They'll say, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't give that to her. Right. But that could happen with anybody. It's like they're missing some, they're something else that they want to be with or whatever. Right. It's easy to blame it on the fact that they're bi and, oh, they want to go back to right. men or whatever. No, they just, they weren't willing to go the long haul to put in the work to make the relationship last. That's mm -hmm. what that's about because relationships take work and A there's ebbs and flows, right? Like it's going to feel good sometimes and other times you're going to be like, am I in the right place? Right. Did I make the wrong choice to be here? Right. That's normal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, exactly. And I, I think the best way, I mean, this is for people in all, all kinds of relationships. If, I mean, 
every, every one of you that's listening right now, you're all unique individuals. Every single thing that's happened in your lifetime and previous ones, if you believe in that, have led you to be the person that you are right now. So if the person that you're with is not into you, then they're not the right person for you, period, end of story, move along, find someone that is, because just the idea that somebody would leave you or pass on you, uh, that's their loss, you know, in a big Absolutely. way. So instead of taking it personally or thinking that you're less than because, you know, partner cheated on you or they decided to go with someone else doesn't really have anything to do with you. It really just has to do with them. I couldn't agree more. So true. It's just hard sometimes when people take it personally and I can understand why it happens, obviously. Um, wow. This has been really good. So fun. So, I hope your listeners get something out of it. This is so interesting. So I know that I sent you some after, obviously I got permission from people, some, um, women that, that are in my database that, that date women. Um, and, um, we were thinking about trying to set them up with some of your people. So if anyone is listening and they're open to dating women, if you filled out a profile in on my website and you're like, you know, I said, I would, I'm interested in just men, but I'd, I'd be open to dating women too. You know, you can go back in and you can, um, change that. I have multiple options of people that you'd like to date. And if you'd like me to refer you to Frankie, let me know. Um, or you can go directly to your website. Do you want to call it, call out your socials and your website? Sure. Littlegaybook.com. Okay. And and little black book matchmaking is, is my, we don't do, we really right now, primarily we have for 15 years focused on um, matching women uh, for women interested in women. So that's lesbian, bisexual, trans women. And again, mm -hmm. littlegaybook.com. You can find us on social media. We have Instagram. Uh, we have Little Gay Book Instagram handle. You can follow me on Instagram, Dr. Frankie Bashan. That's B-A-S-H-A-N and Frankie with an I-E. We're on TikTok. Mm -hmm. We're on Facebook. Just look up like Little Gay Book on Google or Dr. Frankie and you'll see tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah. lots of good stuff. You yeah. have been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much. And I, well- Frankie and I, and uh, another one of our friends will be meeting up and for a conference in Philadelphia at the end of February. And then we're going to yes. have work for a fun weekend. So Woo! I'll be seeing you soon. Yeah. <laughs> I can't right. wait. Yes, me Thank too. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.